Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Imagine you're taken by U.S. forces, tortured, held in Guantanamo for 14 years, released to start a new life, tortured again in the country that promised to help you, then sent home to war-torn Yemen, and then, finally free, you're disappeared by Houthi rebels who want you dead. That's what happened to Abdul Qadr. This is Intercepted. I'm Elise Swain, photo editor of The Intercept. For years now, I've been working in multimedia, covering a variety of topics, but keeping a close eye on developments with Guantanamo Bay. Next month will be the 20th anniversary of the day men in orange jumpsuits arrived, hooded and shackled, at the detention center. Since 2002, nearly 800 men have been held at the military prison, including the 39 men who remain there today. And just this week, the Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing on the closing of the military prison. There are some who need to pay the price for their crimes. But what we have now is not justice. There is no justice for the detainees, but more importantly, the relatives of the victims of 9-11 and of other terror attacks deserve justice, and they deserve closure, and they aren't getting it. We're going to talk today about what happened to one man when he left Guantanamo. I've been reporting on a story that I still can't believe is real. It's been impossible to wrap my head around what this man has been through and what his family went through. His name is Abdelkader Al-Madfari, and he is Guantanamo detainee number 40. Right after 9-11, during the CIA's dragnet sweep across the Middle East, Abdelkader was taken from Pakistan. He was likely sold to the CIA before being flown in 2002 to Guantanamo Bay. But Abdul Qadr wasn't an Al-Qaeda member. He was just a young physician's assistant. The CIA, believing he was a terrorist, tortured him in interrogations and then held him for the next 14 years without any charges. Hope for Abdul Qadr arrived in 2016 when Obama's term concluded and a deal was arranged for 18 Yemenis to leave the prison. Instead of going home to war-torn Yemen, which would have violated international humanitarian law at the time, they were sent to the United Arab Emirates. There, they were promised rehabilitation and resettlement. 
Fifteen inmates from Guantanamo prison have been sent to the United Arab Emirates in the single largest transfer of detainees during President Obama's administration. The removal of 12 Yemeni nationals and three Afghans brings the number of prisoners down to 61, but it still doesn't meet Obama's promise to close the facility. Instead, Abdul Qadr and many others were imprisoned in UAE jails, notoriously rife with torture. Yemenis, like Abdul Qadr, who are suspected of being al-Qaeda, are especially targeted, even today. For as much as five years, 18 Yemeni detainees have remained imprisoned in the UAE, following more than a decade at the U.S. detention facility without being charged. While Trump was in office, these men languished in the UAE jails. So after more than a decade needlessly imprisoned at Guantanamo, these men were sent to the UAE, where once again they were jailed, tortured, and held in solitary confinement with almost no contact to the outside world. Their families kept waiting, wondering if their sons or brothers were still alive. By late 2020, amid the pandemic, the UAE agreed to transfer the men and send them to Yemen, despite humanitarian warnings. A country still embroiled in civil war, experiencing the largest humanitarian crisis in the world. For nearly six years, the poorest country in the region has been locked in an intractable war that's killed 100,000 people, pushed millions to the brink of starvation, and caused the biggest cholera outbreak in history. Saudi Arabia, supported by a coalition of countries, including the UK, USA and UAE, have been bombing Yemen since 2015. Last month, Abdul Qadr resurfaced at an Emirati security base in Yemen. His family was simply told, come get him. When his brother and uncle arrived, Abdul Qadr was so mentally traumatized that he didn't even recognize them. It took five days to convince him to leave with his own immediate family. Emirati forces actually had to blindfold Abdul Qadr to even get him in the car. Only one day after arriving at his family's home, Abdul Qadr convinced his family, who he didn't recognize still, to take him outside for a walk. And then he bolted running away from them into the streets of Sana'a. His family had no idea what happened to him for days, until they finally learned that Houthi militants had taken him at a checkpoint. Now this is especially dire because Abdul Qadr, as a former Guantanamo detainee, is at high risk for abduction, torture, imprisonment, and even assassination by the Iranian-backed Houthis. Now, Abdul Qadr's family fears the worst. His brother Amin told me that the news was so devastating, one brother ended up in the hospital for a week, and another sister went into shock. I first learned about Abdul Qadr's story from Mansour Adefi. He too is a former detainee. Mansour spent 14 years without charge in Guantanamo. And now he's the Guantanamo Project Coordinator for CAGE, an independent human rights organization. Mansour recently published a beautiful and urgent memoir called Don't Forget Us Here. And I spoke with him about Abdul Qadr's case and his own experience with Guantanamo and life after detention. You know, Alisa, in general, if we talk about Guantanamo itself, it was, as, as you know, like the world knows what Guantanamo is about. Guantanamo stands for oppression, torture, lawlessness, injustice, and abuse of power and indefinite detention. 
imagine those men or we spent years and years uh, at Guantanamo almost like 10, 15 or now 20 years. So when you get released, the United States government, they, they wanted to get rid of the people from uh, at Guantanamo. So they found some uh, hosting countries and they asked them to rehabilitate and to uh, integrate them. They asked. You get lucky if you were released to a country that for like Western Europe, Qatar, Oman, you'll be lucky because those countries uh, managed to integrate and managed to, uh, to become productive member of the society. But my case, Kazakhstan, United Arab Emirates, and, and other uh, many uh, cases as we have been, we have been researching uh, those cases and studying for the last few years. It's devastating, a devastating case. Abdul Qadir, just one of the, one of the recent cases. Mansour, you are also from Yemen. Abdul Qadr was from Yemen. Your country at the time of 2016 was in a civil war when you were released from Guantanamo. So talk about why Abdul Qadr ended up in the United Arab Emirates and why you ended up where you are now. In 2009, the Congress put moratorium and no new Yemeni should be released from Guantanamo back to Yemen. So in 2000. Uh, 13, we get uh, uh, we get approved to be released, but not to Yemen. So United States tried to find a third country that would host us, and uh, it was like a program of resettlement. But when when the uh, when the when the detainees arrived in Yat Arab Emirates, they were taken to jail and they were subjected to abuse and torture and spent for five years in, in in jail. So when you found out that these Yemenis were leaving the United Arab Emirates uh, this last months and were being sent back to Yemen against everyone's wishes. What was your reaction to hearing that news? First, last year when the United Arab Emirates tried, they tried last year to forcibly release those, uh, uh, send those men to, to Yemen. And as you know, the country crisis, war, starvation, and I think one of the most Humanitarian, uh, humanitarian crisis in, in, in modern history. So it was unsafe to release this, those men back to Yemen. The media covered the case and the United Arab Emirates stopped the, the release. So what happened uh, this year, the men, uh, the Yemeni or the prisoners uh, at the United Arab Emirates jail get coronavirus. They were hospitalized and some of them really in, uh, admitted to ACU. So the United Arab Emirates, they, I think they didn't want anyone to die in their jail. So what they did, they, they want to get rid of them. When we heard the news that they will, the men will be sent back to Yemen, the families contacted me because as, uh, uh, I started to work with the page as Guantanamo Project Coordinator. I reached out to the ICRC, I reached out to the lawyers in the United States and I told them about the case. And at least I told them this is, shouldn't be happening. The men should be either relocated to a third country where they will be safe and should be also give a proper treatment. But, you know, uh, the, the, the lawyer talked to the State Department, but there was no answer. And uh, so July, the first group were sent back to Yemen. Then last month, the second group. Mansour, you knew Abdul Qadr when you were both in Guantanamo. So what was he like as a man before his mental health deteriorated in the last five years? You know, Alisa, the story started, you know, the man went to Pakistan to study uh, medicine like really came from a smart and brilliant uh, student. Like many other cases, he was kidnapped in Pakistan and sold to the CIA. I met Abdul Qadr at Guantanamo, a quiet guy, well-educated and keen and really liked to read a lot. 
But in recent year, I noticed that he has some uh, mental problems because he was really subjected to intense interrogation and torture. And at Guantanamo, uh, the symptoms started when he tried to when he tried to isolate himself all the time, least talking, interacting, spend days without coming out or eating or something. And we tried to, to figure out what's going on with him, taking care of him, and so on. But he is still he at Guantanamo. He used to go to phone calls with his family, talking to them, and you know everything was fine. When he was transferred to the United Emirates, it was a shock for everyone because the lawyers and the State Department told those detainees, "You will be you will be sent to United Arab Emirates at a resettlement. You will be given stipend, house. You will be given a program, study. You will get married, and so like and so on." The transfer came from the United Arab Emirates without any coordination with with anyone, not with the families. Not with the lawyers, not with human rights organization, with anyone. It's just they they ship they ship the men in an airplane. They threw them in the in their militia base in uh, Hadramaut in Mukalla. So the family received messages: "Come pick up your son from here." They have to sign like some paper, and that's as simple as that. When the family arrived in Mukalla to take Abdul Qadir, Abdul Qadir refused to leave the jail. He told them, "No, no, this is a game." He didn't recognize his own brother, his own uncle. Not anyone. In Yemen, we have a lot of different actors within the civil war. There is the Houthi rebels. There's the Yemeni government of President Hadi. There is the Southern Transitional Council, which are, you know, South Yemen separatists. Explain how all of these groups view former detainees from Guantanamo. What are the assumptions and, and why is it so dangerous to be accused of being Al-Qaeda by the United States in Yemen right now? At least it all goes to the stigma and life after uh, Guantanamo. So Guantanamo doesn't leave you as soon as you say hi, goodbye. No. It hasn't finished with you yet. So we still live in Guantanamo 2.0. So as you see the situation in Yemen, you have many factions and many crazy uh, groups fighting against each other. And for the, uh, for the government, Yemeni government live in uh, Saudi, Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia hotels for the last seven years. I never <laughs> haven't seen this in my life that the government sleeps somewhere in some country in hotels there while the people fighting and dying of starvation, uh, coronavirus, civil wars, and so on. So being Guantanamo detainee, you will be targeted by everyone because everyone would say, we are fighting against terrorists and terrorism. So when you look at the situation there, there was no any kind of justice or uh, human rights and so on. As you know, the United Arab Emirates, according to Sam, according to the director of Sam, uh, Tawfiq al-Hamidi, 18, they documented 18 secret, uh, secret prison of the United Arab Emirates just in Adan, in Hadramaut. And imagine what happened there. It's worse even, even than, worse than, uh, than even the black side. Uh, torture, abuses, people live the, uh, their lives. Some people missing, some people disapp- still disapp- uh, uh, missing, some people disappeared forever. And I have followed some of the reports and, and so on. It is, it is shocking what happened there. It's really shocking. And United States, United States was part of the interrogation there. It's not just United States and other countries, even like uh, the British government was involved uh, in those interrogations. So we are talking about being a Guantanamo detainee and gone back to Yemen. You will be targeted by everyone. 
So being accused being Al-Qaeda or being a terrorist and come back to Yemen, welcome to the show. So that would happen. I mean, people, when I talked to, to two of the release brothers, they said, we are really afraid and anything can happen at any time. You wouldn't feel safe. Not, we didn't feel, our family don't feel safe. And uh, we, know, we don't know where else we're to go. If we are talking about us in some countries, those countries signed agreement, resettlement agreement by the United States, and we are being monitored, we are being targeted, we are being harassed, where we are being interrogated and, and, and arrested for what? To be clear here, Mansour, we what you what you're saying is that once these men leave Guantanamo, everywhere that they are sent is with the explicit permission and written contract of the United States State Department and United States government, essentially. Yes, yes. It has to it has to go to an agreement between the United States government and the hosting country, also the lawyers involved in that, the lawyers part of it. So like, for example, when I, when I, when I was in Guantanamo, the Serbian delegation, they came to me, they said, oh, you'll be treated like, a, like a, any Serbian, but you're not able to, to vote. So I told them, I don't want to come. I was released against my own will to Serbia. I had no choice. They told me, you have no choice. So what happened with Abdelkader and his horrific fate now of being re-imprisoned once he went to the United Arab Emirates, tortured again, released to Yemen, finally free after 20 years of arbitrary detention. He then has 72 hours basically free and then is is kidnapped uh, and, and disappeared within the Houthi prison system. You and I have been still in contact with Amin, his brother. We don't have any updates um, by the time this podcast airs. It will have been three weeks since he was disappeared. What do you know about other men who have been released from Guantanamo? Last year, I, uh, I graduated of my uh, university. I finished my bachelor's degree. Hi, thanks to me. Like, happy for me. Anyway. So my, my thesis, I had like a choice either to do thesis about closing Guantanamo or about rehabilitation and reintegration of former Guantanamo detainees into social life and the labor market. So I choose to do my uh, thesis about rehabilitation and reintegration of former Guantanamo detainees into social life and the labor market. And this is the first research has been done about this topic. WhatsApp groups, I started reaching to everyone, former uh, detainees, families, lawyers, authors, human rights activists, NGOs, officials, everyone. It took me a long, a long time because I, there is no resource or you can uh, search about it. So I started interviewing everyone. There was no any kind of like rehabilitation or reintegration program, simply. So, and you have different categories of detainees. Detainees who manage to integrate into the society and become productive members in their life depend on their uh, resettlement uh, country or hosting country, like for Germany, England, or Irlanda, or Qatar, or Oman. You know, they're doing well. They have families, jobs, and people move, move on with their life. But w- the second group where people live in countries but they're restricted. The worst part of all of that was the United Arab Emirates and Senegal and Kazakhstan. United Arab Emirates imprisoned them in there, tortured them and abused them, worse than Guantanamo. And they get devastated mentally and psychologically. Uh, Kazakhstan, actually, they asked the people to live there. Two of them were relocate. One of the cases in Kazakhstan, in 2015, only after six months, one of the one of the brothers released to Kazakhstan. He died 
because they refused to take him to the hospital for uh, his uh, kidney uh, problem. They said he doesn't have authorization to, look to, 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 to go to another city. The second brother also died in Mauritania this year because he needed uh, a travel document to go to have uh, to uh, surgery for, the, for his heart. His country refused to give him travel document. ICRC refused to provide the travel document. Mauritania doesn't have the health system that can uh, operate in his heart like because he needed like, really sophisticated uh, surgery. So the doctor told him you have at least six months or you're going to die. The man waited and uh, CAGE organization actually tried to help. They raised money for him and he needed like $3,000. They managed to get the fund and to get the surgery. But his life would depend on a piece of paper and they knew he doesn't have much time. They, he, they knew he, he, he didn't have much time. So what happened? They let him die and he died. I used to contact him. I was talking to him. We tried with lawyers, with everyone, but you know, we are helpless. So, so we're talking about, you know, a, a complete lack of care and following up from the United States to to right a historic wrong that was done in our names, right? So these men have been basically abandoned completely by the United States in any due diligence to give them rehabilitation. What could be done for you right now? What do you wish that the United States would do with your case specifically in Serbia as an example? If you talk about my case, you know, I need to be relocated to a place where I can, you know, start my life, where I can like build my life and move on with my life, where I can free, you know, and continue. This is my dream to get married and so on. Because one of the things here, I couldn't get married. I found a woman, I talked to the family, everything was fine because a travel document, you know. You didn't it have just it. just to me devastated. No, I didn't have a travel document. For example, now, if I travel to any country, there's a lot of, uh, many detainees faced many difficulties when they travel uh, to some country. They get like stopped at airports, they denied visa, some of them get arrested, some of them actually asked to leave the country immediately when they found they were at, at Guantanamo. In my thesis about rehabilitation and reintegration uh, program, I, I, I made some recommendation. First of all, as you ask, it should be some kind of acknowledgement also should become some kind of apologizing and compensation. It's simple as that. That that this is this justice. We ask for justice. You know, they brought us to Guantanamo and torture us by the name of justice, and they found us. We are not guilty. We have done nothing. So now we are asking for justice. You are devastated our life. You take years and years of our life. We need just to build our life. We need to. Some, we need some help. We need some. We need to be free. You don't have to live in the stigma, because. If you find yourself living in Guantanamo 2.0. Mansour Adefi, thank you so much for joining me on Intercepted. You are a great friend to me and also an inspiration, and I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Lisa, and I hope that the US government can do something about uh, these cases. That was Mansour Adefi. Guantanamo Project Coordinator at CAGE. Mansour's memoir is just out and is an incredibly important historical record that is called Don't Forget Us Here, Lost and Found at Guantanamo. And that does it for this episode of Intercepted. Follow us on Twitter at Intercepted and on Instagram at Intercepted Podcast. 
This is our last episode of the year. Thank you so much for listening during 2021. We'll be taking a bit of a break and we'll be back on January 12th. Intercepted is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. This episode was produced by Jose Olivares and Truk Wynn. Supervising producer is Laura Flynn. Betsy Reed is our editor-in-chief of The Intercept. And Will Stanton mixed our show. Our theme music, as always, was produced by DJ Spooky. And I'm Elise Swing. A huge thank you to everybody who gave on Giving Tuesday. And if you didn't and would like to support our work, please go to theintercept.com slash join. Your donation, no matter what the amount, makes a real difference. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. And if you leave us a rating, it helps people find us. If you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. Until next time. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.